Well, hey, this is Kim Honeycutt once again. As you probably know, I am the co-founder of ICU Talks, and you are listening to our podcast called Hear Voices. And so we're, I'm about to introduce myself. How crazy is that? But I'm crazy, so I'm cool with that. So I'm so glad I got to be a part of what happened Tuesday night with Emily and Pat and all of our volunteers, and I got to share about what it means to me to really be recovered, really have spiritual sobriety. So I hope the next 20, 25 minutes or so that you'll get to get a glimpse of what I experienced in life, but more importantly, how I got to receive God's love and get out of a life of thinking that life is about what we deserve. Instead, it's a life of being worthy because God, the creator of all, said so. Enjoy. Thank y'all. Thank y'all very much. So I'm going to ask you to sit down unless you are military. If you're former military, current military, the spouse of military, you're here, you're a first responder or a police officer, please stand up. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank y'all so much. Really appreciate y'all and just you're on my heart tonight. So hey everybody, welcome, so glad you're here. I do have a disclaimer first. So I am speaking this Sunday at Mosaic Church at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Uh, I'm preaching the sermon. And so God gave me two messages, but they are blended together. And so there's parts of tonight that will be identical to Sunday morning. But they're freestanding. So you don't have to hear both of them, but they do go together. So if you leave here tonight and need a little bit more understanding about what we're talking about, then I would suggest that if you don't go to Mosaic Church, that you will catch it on YouTube or, or do something in order to get the complete message, all right? So, yo, I got a gift for you. I have a gift for one person here. So before, <laughs> before we get to that, I just want you to check in with yourself for a second about what's it feel like knowing that you might be about to receive a gift. Is that comfortable for you? Or you're like the small 50-year-old child in front of me right now, Cindy. <laughs> Does it excite you? Like, like, is it, I'm about to offer you a gift. Is it easy to receive this? Now, I know the introverts right now just reached a new, a new level of hatred for me. <laughs> I understand that. I get that. But if you're, just check in. Is it okay to receive a gift? Are you comfortable with it? So anybody that is, I need one person. Cindy, come on. Come get your gift. Give it up for the 50-year-old kid. Okay, so listen. You don't get the box, but you get what's in it. Is it love? Oh, yeah. Yes. Hey. Thank you. There you go. There you go. She got a $5 gift card to Starbucks. That is love. Listen, we encourage drug addiction here. So we're contributing to her addiction. That is just fine with me. We're doing that. So I just want to share with you, like I, like, I think for a lot of us, there's a point in our life that we're kids and we have the same reaction Sydney had. We're so excited about getting a gift. And I think that we get to a point in our lives for some of us that it just gets really, really uncomfortable for us. So I want to share with you the greatest material gift that I received as a child. When I was a kid, I was really young. My, my dad told my brother and I, his name is Jimmy, 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 in case you don't know, told Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy and I to get in his car that we were going to go see a client. 
So we got in the car, and, and he took us. He actually lied to us. He took us to a scooter store. And so we went inside, and he said, hey, you, and back then scooters were called kick and go. We have a picture of a kick and go. We have a picture. <laughs> That's a kick and go. It's not the one I got, but it's a whole store of these scooters kick and go. And he told my brother, I just pick out whichever one you want. And I, I was so connected to my dad. We have such a great relationship. I didn't ask any questions. I just took what he was offering. I just received it. I just received it. And so my brother and I just tore up all over town our little kick and go. A few years later, my dad came home, and he brought us both go-karts. So I realize now that my dad kept giving us vehicles to go away from him. <laughs> Smart man. But if you, you know that I, I got a theme for cars, well, this is why. This is the origin of why I like cars so much. And so he gave us these go-karts, and so we tore up the yard, the neighborhood with our little go-karts. And I received it. No problem. I didn't ask any questions. It didn't bother me at all. It deepened the connection I had to my daddy, and I got this go-kart. And then a few years later, my dad came home, and he brought me a moped. But see, by then, I was different. By then, I was covered in lies that came from trauma and pain and shame and blame. And it wasn't I wasn't grateful when he gave me the moped. I was. But my life had changed. My life had become about what I deserved. And so that moped actually became a vehicle to my self-destructive behavior that was covering the pain from the trauma I'd been through. So some of you know my dad's an attorney. And so that meant when we were growing up that he would get phone calls late at night. So let me explain this for some of you that are younger. Back in the day, there was a phone. <laughs> and it was on the wall. <laughs> and you could not move about the world, and near it was an analog clock, and we could all read it, and we wrote in cursive. Life was good. Life was good. Remember, my people, remember? You're 48, but yes, yes, yes. It was good. And so when the phone rang, the whole house was aware that the phone rang. And so one morning, my the next day, my dad was taking me to school. My mom was too mentally ill to take care of me, so my father did everything. He took me to school. He worked all day. He did everything. And so I said, hey, Dad, I heard the phone ring last night because it was usually something exciting. I said, what happened? He said, yeah, this man got caught dealing drugs. I said, oh, was it Clyde? Dumb, dumb, dumb. He's like, yeah, it was. How'd you know that? Well, see, my moped with my vehicle to get me to Clyde's house to cop dope. He was my drug dealer. At this point in my life, I'd gone into a life of give-take. I'd gone into a life of deserving. I was no longer about connection or worth. I just walked around covered in lies and in pain. It was give-take. That was it. Let me give you an example that may apply to you what give-take life means. You ever given someone a compliment and they didn't take it? They just batted it down? So there's no connection. If you give someone something and they don't receive it, you don't get to connect to them. You may have a friend like this, but if you're married, you may know this with your spouse. There are many of people who will give and give and give to their spouse, and their spouse takes and takes and takes and offers nothing back. 
You can call that a lot of things. You cannot call that connection. That is a life of just what you deserve. It's give, take. You see, God has called us to a life of offering and receiving, of knowing we're worthy of that connection. So if you have a relationship with your thoughts, with your emotions, with people, with yourself, and mainly with God, if you have a life with God that is simply about give and take, then you're living a life of deserving and not a life of offer, receive. So tonight, we're going to talk about whatever camp you're in, whether it's give, take, or it's offer and being able to receive. That is what determines how much of yourself you actually recover. The depth of every relationship that you're in, the depth of it is based on your capacity to receive. How close you are to someone is based on your ability to actually be able to receive. John 16, 24 says, Ask in my name, the name of Jesus, and you will receive. See, Jesus is telling us in this beautiful, simple scripture that you are worthy of saying my name. You are worthy of offering anything, any need, any prayer request, anything you have, you're worthy of offering in my name. If you do that, you will receive. But how many of us have a hard time walking up to a prayer partner and offering what's going on with us and receiving prayer for ourselves? But y'all can walk over to the prayer journal and put a prayer request in for somebody else. But we're called to God. He said that we're worthy of actually receiving directly from him in his name. And that is why the father of lies will come in and tell you that you will only get the life of you what you deserve and not a life of being worthy of being able to receive from God. On April 8th, 1995, I woke up in a detox bed. It was not my first time being there. But this time I called out, God, help me. And in that moment, I offered anything that I could, any understanding of my pain, I offered it to God. And I had no understanding of my worth. I just believed that he believed I was worthy. See, I was covered in all the lies that came from my trauma. And then when that leads to an addiction, all the behavior comes in, more shame and more blame comes on top of you. And I believe that's who I was. So no matter what type of trauma you've gone through, whether it's complicated grief, whether it's sexual abuse trauma, whether it's developmental trauma, relational trauma, inherited trauma, refugee trauma, whatever type of trauma it is, it will come in and it will separate you from understanding yourself of who you are. I saw a meme yesterday, a saying, and I put it on IC Talk's Instagram page. It said that trauma is the gateway drug. Trauma is a gateway drug. In the world of psychology, because I'm a psychotherapist, how we say that is PTSD is the only anxiety disorder directly correlated to addiction. That means some of our good people that have left here and they've gone to Iraq, they've gone to fight for our freedom, they leave social drinkers, they don't come back. Social drinkers, because PTSD will change your brain chemistry. But I think addiction and trauma are almost the same thing because it will separate you from knowing who you really are. 
The definition of addiction is loss of choice. The definition of trauma is loss of choice. Something happened that took away your choice. Addiction means you're disconnected. Trauma means something happened that caused you to be disconnected from yourself. You know, it's really easy to look when, when I was drinking like Pat was drinking. Brother, you better, in the name of Jesus, we didn't drink together. <laughs> but if I had been a woman in your life, you wouldn't be standing here saying that you had not loved a woman. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm just going <laughs> to let you know, let you know what's going on. I just need to say that. That's all right. So, anyway, <laughs> side note. <laughs> It's so easy to watch Pat or, and myself when we were drinking. Like, we didn't have a choice. There was no saying no to alcohol. You can call that addiction. But how many of you can't say no to a person? What do we call that? How many of you can't say no to being that person that overperforms, that has to do everything to take care of being on a committee or, or a project at work? What do we call that? How many of us can't say no once you start a video game and you say you're going to play for an hour and you're five hours in? It means you're separate from your real self, that some lie has come in. And when we feel that and we get separate from who God says we are, we will bring in behavior, whether it's video gaming, porn, whatever it is, you will have some behavior that further separates you from truth. See, I'm so glad when I got sober that I walked into an AA meeting and not a church. And y'all know I love church and I love the Lord. But when I walked into an AA meeting, they knew. They knew I was covered in lies, and I didn't need one more ounce of shame. I didn't need to be on a committee. I had nothing to offer, and they literally set me down and said, you have nothing to offer. Sit and receive. They told me to take the cotton out of my ears and stick it in my mouth. Some of you want to say that right now. That's all right. I'm going to key your car. All right, anyway. Like they knew. They had nothing to offer. It's like they had rules. Like we worked the 12 steps. So if you went to a step meeting and you had never worked that step with the sponsor, you weren't allowed to share. You know why? They knew that I walked in there thinking I had to earn something, that I had to say the right thing, be the right person. They're like, no, just sit. Just receive. Receive truth. Receive God's love. And then you'll have the rest of your life to go carry this message. See, my, my recovery was contingent on me being able to receive. So recovery. Recovery is the reconnecting in receiving the truth about who you are. You're fired, by the way. All right, that's better. All right. To connect to the truth of who you were before the lies came in. Whatever came in that started telling you that you were anything less but the daughter or son of the Most High God, that that is what recovery is. That I was covered in lies and I had to be recovered in His truth. You know, God is in the re business. And what re means, R-E, it means in the matter of. In the matter of you, you matter. Look at God's vocabulary. Reborn, renewed, revival, resurrected. 
recovery, receive. But see, it all starts with knowing that he offered his son to us. And in that offer, when we receive that, then we can start a transformation of being reborn, having an internal revival, learning who we really are and how we can bring glory to the kingdom. You know, when, when I was little, when my dad gave me that scooter, I didn't say to him, I need to see your law degrees, Father. I need to see your bank account. I need to know that you can afford this scooter. I didn't ask questions. I didn't need evidence. I didn't need anything. I just received. And so we have to be able to come to our Father with the same thing of just knowing that he believes we're worthy, that he has said it, and how do we just receive that and become reborn and renewed in him? You know, I had to do very tangible things in order to be able to to have a transformation. And it's not an overnight thing like Pat was saying and like, like Emily was saying, like things, there had to be tangible things that you did to bring in a new truth to have a recovery. So there's three things that I started doing to have a daily reprieve. And what reprieve means is canceling out punishment. It cancels out punishment. So I had things I did every day and still do that give me a reprieve from self-harm. So the first thing I want to share with you, I got taught to, to put my, my shoes underneath my bed. So when I woke up and was looking for my shoes, while I was down there on my knees getting my shoes, I was to pray. So I want to tell you all, this is back when truly I only had one pair of shoes. God is the God of redemption. I have many shoes. This trick would not work today. But back then, I had one pair of shoes. Because then, I lived a life of deserving. I, it was just give take. I didn't think I deserved anything. And so I was taught that the first thing I should do is get on my knees. So I would do that. I would get on my knees, and I would offer to God all my thoughts, my desire to drink, my desire to self-harm, all the thoughts I had of hurting other people and myself, I gave him all of that. I offered it to him, and I said, I'm now ready to receive who you say I am. And that's how I started my day, and that's how I still start my day. That I don't need one second of this being about the false self, who I used to be, that I immediately receive who he says that I am. So get on your knees when you wake up. Immediately pray. The second thing that I was taught was you are wrong. So I went to a meeting. I had about a year sober. And I heard this man share that when he first got sober, that his, his sponsor, his AA sponsor, had told him that he was to go get lipstick and write on his bathroom mirror, you are wrong. You are wrong. Because, see, they, they knew they knew that in the beginning, we don't know the difference between truth and lies. And that everything I was hearing was going to take me back to where I used to be. Because when I believe all those lies, all the things that come from being traumatized, thinking it's your fault of what happened to you, that there's nothing to do but to try to escape who you are, as Emily and, and Pat both shared, both shared about. See, this is my belief, and I know a lot of your stories, and you've gotten horrible phone calls. You've had unbelievable situations in your life. And so there are exceptions to this rule, but this is what I believe. I believe that we can handle truth. 
I think it's lies that put us in the fetal position. I think that we get so much fear that some lie comes up that we believe that this is catastrophic, that it's never going to get better. I'm never going to be good enough. No one's ever going to like me. I'm always going to be single. Some lie comes in, and that is what puts us in a fetal position. I think truth can hurt, but that drives us to our knees. And you can get back up. You can stand back up when you know truth. And so I had to look and remember that you are wrong, that what I was thinking was wrong. See, I believe that I was wrong, all of me. I had to separate from that and know that there are things I was thinking, things I've been told by so many people, abuse I'd endured, that that was what was wrong, not me. I wasn't wrong. The third thing I want you to hang on to is listen here. Listen here. So part of why we named our podcast Hear Voices, and we are in no way making light of people who have auditory hallucinations. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I know that's very real for people. But a lot of us really do. We hear our coach's voice, mom, dad, uncle. We hear all these voices that are so condemning and so harsh. And there's only one voice worth listening to, and that's God. And he's never, ever going to do anything to try to separate you from who you really are. He is, the, he is truth. But see, the Father of lies wants you to listen to every other person in your life that told you you were nothing and nobody. So I had to really learn that I could hear so many other voices, the people, talk, the things in my head that were going through. I just didn't have to listen. And if you think you can't do that, I want you to think of the times that you've had a boss, friend, spouse tell you something, and you heard them. You didn't listen. But we're going to hear things within us. And I'm telling you, there's times people will ask me something, and it looks like I'm slow in my response. I just went through a Rolodex of 20 voices, and half of them were very sarcastic, and thumb, someone thought about hitting you. I have to go through all this and land on my adult voice on who God says I am before I respond. So I had to really start looking. Who was I listening to? Was I listening to the people that told me I would never, ever be worthy of having a friend, having a life? Was I going to stay in this give-take relationship that whatever you gave me, whether it was an insult or a handful of pills, whatever it was, I just took it. See, I got introduced to a God in detox that told me that he was going to offer me everything. If I received, then I could be reborn. That there could be an internal revival that I could become who he's called me to be. So I want to know, as our prayer warriors are coming around so that they can be in position, if you're willing to receive tonight from prayer, are you, are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to sit at God's table where he has a seat for you and receive the worth he has for you? Are you ready to interact with Jesus, the same Jesus that talked to the woman at the well and gave her a cup of everlasting water? Are you ready to drink from that cup? Do you know that you are worthy? Are you ready to receive the grace from a God who split the Red Sea? That same God is telling you that you don't have to listen to those voices. You only have to listen to him, and he's called you worthy. Can we receive something more tonight that helps us know that the things that we've been through and what's happened, that's not the truth, that we can stand on his words 
and receive the Holy Spirit on a deeper level. If you're ready for that, I'm going to ask that you stand. Let me pray for you.